exciting episode. It seems like we have an exciting episode all the time, but most especially for Filipino Heritage Month, uh, we are featuring some really wonderful examples of Filipino Canadian entrepreneurs who are leading the way and blazing a trail in introducing Filipino products to the world. So today we have with us our Ariona and Paolo from Cafe Coffee. Welcome to the show. Yay! Thank you so much, Thank you for that wonderful, lovely, warm introduction. We're so blessed to be here. We're so great, uh, grateful to be here and to chat with you about coffee and about Filipino culture and about our journey. Yeah, uh, we're broadcasting live from the unceded Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh. Uh, and yeah, um, just so to let everyone know. Wonderful. We're we're definitely excited to get right into, you know, getting to know you and getting to know your company. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about the history of coffee and the Philippines. So not a lot of people know, and it seems like it's weird that they don't know, but we actually are able to export quite a large number of coffee. And we have a rich uh, coffee agriculture um, in the Philippines. So can you share a little bit of history about co- coffee farming in the Philippines? Right. Okay. So I guess we'll, I, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to actually start with the present and then go back to the past, right? So that's how we're going to frame it. So, um, well, coffee today is quite popular in the Philippines. In fact, we are the world's number one uh, consumer of coffee, but hang on, it's actually instant coffee. <laughs> so it's not specialty <laughs> coffee. Yeah, I know. It's it's <laughs> quite a, you know, the whole three-in-ones and the, you know, we actually don't call it three-in-one. I don't know what this, what, what's it called? <laughs> yeah, so with all the chemicals and all that, you know, weird kind of junk you put in your body in there. Yeah, 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 right. so, totally. um, so we are uh, we are the top for that. But if you uh, if you look at the consumption for specialty coffee, we're actually ranked twenty seventh, right? So that's um, you know w- what currently is uh, the cons- consumptive behavior in the Philippines. But there is actually a history and a reason why it's like that. And in my assumption, right? So I'm th- I'm just theorizing this at this point. Uh, there is no actual. Uh, studied research about that and so I'll park that notion there first and then now go into the history. So coffee is quite interesting because uh, coffee has been there uh, for centuries before it actually arrived in the Philippines, right? So uh, there are actually two popular stories about the history of coffee in the Philippines. The popular one is that there's this farmer that planted or sorry, this um, Franciscan monk monk, uh, or priest uh, who planted uh, coffee in the back of the church uh, back in 1740, right? Because at that time, it was the, uh, uh, of course, 
colonization uh, from Spain, and there was also the Manila-Acapulco galleon trade, right? So a lot of the goods are actually uh, being traded uh, to and from the Philippines and Mexico, right? So that's that. And then one day, one farmer brought uh, a coffee uh, tree, planted it in the backyard in Lipa, Batangas, and then that's where it flourished into, you know, what, you know, where we are now with Philippines being, you know, known, well, kind of uh, known as an emerging uh, place for coffee, but uh, that was the history back. That's the most popular story. But there is actually also another theory that coffee may have actually started in Mindanao, right? So down south of the Philippines, because at that time, Indonesia was already, uh, you know, not really at its peak, but has already planted coffee then. And that's why when you hear the word, hey, you know, I want to, I want a Java or I want a Sumatran, you know, those are actually islands in Indonesia, right? So, and uh, that, uh, so coffee has been there uh, long before and may have actually crossed uh, through trading in the south, right? So, the islands of Basilan, Tawi-Tawi, Sulu, that area. And and today, that area is actually quite uh, rich with uh, excelsa and uh, robusta varieties of coffee. You can actually find that plentiful down there. So there is that theory. And again, it hasn't really been proven yet. So, uh, but yeah, so that's a little bit of the, I guess, a longer version of the, the history. Did you want to chime into that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I... I remember going through House in the Highway in the Cordilleras. I, I was born in Kalinga in the book. And that is the longest highway that connects all the provinces of the Cordillera region. And along the House in the Highway, there are lots and lots of coffee trees. But not a lot of Filipinos know that we grow coffee in our country. So it's, uh, it, it's yeah, like it's been part of our history for a long time. But because of colonization, because of the products that Filipinos are used to consuming, it's mostly imported instant coffee. We didn't get to appreciate and get to know that there are local producers uh, in the mountains of the Cordilleras, uh, in Dabo del Sur, in Bukid Non. And it's really now that uh, the appreciation for Philippine-grown coffee is growing. And we're very grateful uh, to be part of it. And, and coffee is not really endemic to our country, right? Um, it's been introduced by the colonizers. But what's really interesting about that is that the peoples in the country, the peoples in the Philippines, the you know the Indios as what the Spaniards have uh, labeled us, have actually improved and even bettered the coffee that they you know they planted in the Philippines. So I think that's what's quite remarkable about you know what we do and. There's a lot of symbolism about that too, you know, overcoming, you know, what's from out there and actually making it better from within. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's something kind of enlightening to think about. Yeah, and going to the coffee farms and coffee farming communities, you'll see that coffee, more than just a livelihood actually, is part of their life. They have grown uh, coffee and other vegetables like for many, many generations. It's part of their backyard. Uh, I, I heard a coffee farmer there uh, say before that 
your house is incomplete without a coffee tree in your backyard because it's just what you do. You just have a coffee tree, like a banana tree or a coconut tree in the in the lowlands. So it has been part of our culture. Uh, it's just not in the, I guess, like the consumer culture that it was. Uh, it is more evident. Right. And in the Cordilleras, you can actually find uh, coffee trees that are centuries old and they still bear fruit. Right. So that, mm-hmm. yeah, it is quite remarkable that and, and pe- a lot of people don't even know about that. Right. Wow. I mean, that's that goes to show how incredibly important it is to treasure that part of not only our history, our culture, our land, to have something like that still preserved through centuries. Um, and you know what? In a, rom- in a romantic, poetic fashion, it also is proof of our resiliency. If we can be just as resilient as a coffee tree through colonization and become better from it, it's, it's, uh, it's such a wonderful symbol of, of who we are. So, um, okay, Paolo, do you mind sharing a wonderful fact about why the coffee tree is such an amazing example of Filipino resiliency. Right. Well, coffee is quite interesting because one of the four varieties of coffee is actually called robusta and coming from the word robust and uh, because it's more resilient to heat, more resilient to pests and all. And that's why, uh, you know, it was uh, planted that way because, of course, in the Philippines, we have the storms, we have uh, all the typhoons and whatnot. And uh, it was planted there just because it fit the, uh, I I guess, the geography. So, and it's very symbolic to who we are, right? So there's so much symbolism that kind of aligns who, who we are as, you know, Filipinos. It's a fighter just like us, or maybe we're just like it. <laughs> Ready? Mm-hmm. Um, now, just talking a little bit about why there isn't that many visibility that other Filipinos have in regards to the coffee industry. And that could very well be uh, attributed to, you know, the over-exploitation of farming and, ag- and the agriculture industry. With that, can you speak a little bit about that and how that has impacted in the way that we have understood the, our ability to actually produce these kinds of products? Yeah, that is a really huge issue with agriculture and I think I see in, in general how people are just exploited, like traders or buyers of, of coffee don't put into consideration the actual cost of production of farmers and they just want the the profits to come to them. So historically, coffee farmers in the Philippines have been, um, in terms of getting coffee at a really low price from from them, and then the middlemen just selling it to the markets or end consumers at a higher price, getting all the profit and leaving the farmers cash trapped and without any choice but to, of course, convert their crop into cash. So it's, it's been uh, something that we've we've observed, like working with the, the farmers uh, since 2003, that has been their experience. And that's the reason why they got discouraged in uh, planting coffee in production. They stopped. Uh, they just went to vegetable farming because it's easier. Uh, it doesn't take like so much time. For coffee, you have to wait for about three to four years, actually sometimes five years, for your coffee tree to be productive. And 
you of course have to wait that long. Uh, whereas for for vegetables, it's it's always a seasonal crop, so you can sell it right away. Um, and with them not getting the right price for the coffee, it just didn't make sense. So they stopped, and production was really low, and it really declined because they didn't see the incentive of doing it. If if the traders, if the, the businessmen who were dealing with them were just going to exploit them for the price of coffee, so it's 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 something that we wanted to go against. Like they deserve so much more. Coffee is a, a product that, that takes a long time to cultivate after harvest, which only happens once a year. There's a lot of processing that has to go with it to get the final product. And uh, by final product, I mean the green coffee beans, uh, pre-birthed coffee beans that um, the farmers then would have to sell. So, and and it, it speaks about, it speaks on how a lot of Filipinos view themselves. Sometimes we view ourselves that way, like inferior, lonely, and just settling for mm-hmm. what is being offered to us because of, again, I go back to the history of colonization and the conditioning that we were just we're mm-hmm. just good for for this much. And it, it's it's really it, it, that heritage of smallness, yeah. I think, is, is what I want to refer to. Um, and can I add a yeah, little bit about sure. that? If you look at, you know, what Iona just said earlier, it's as if the global market or the, the larger external market is the one that's actually controlling or demanding or pretty much um you know, uh, dictating what the farmers are ought to do, right? And and that obviously degrades the value. It, you know, takes out the the value and the humanity of of planting and agriculture and taking care of of uh, you know what you're planting. And and so they're left with oftentimes too. They're also left without a choice but to just you know sell it at a lower price. And 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 you know with the, with so much hard work put into it. Do you know how hard it is to plant coffee or plant anything in general? It's tough, right? And then at the end of the day, when when everything has been picked, you're just going to sell it for something so small. And, and so think about that, right? And and that's the thing at, at that time, what Iona said, the, the farmers didn't have that control. It didn't really have that way to be able to command whatever price they want or or command or kind of be the one to influence that main agency for the market, right? And so Iona and I wanted to kind of make people realize that and and kind of also be a part in in changing that, I suppose, game or changing that system, right? So that we respect what the farmers do the farmers would command the price rather than us and that the farmers would offer us whatever that's there just for the season, right? Like pretty much like vegetables. So um, it's not us demanding what, you know, what they need to do. Right. So, yeah. It's amazing that you say that because so many of the world consumes coffee and so, so many people would say like, I am not, I can't make it through the day without my cup of coffee. I need my second one. Coffee gives me life. Don't talk to me unless my coffee is full. And it's like, when you think about how 
it, when you think about the people who are farming mm-hmm. the very substance that we depend on to survive, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's really eye-opening that, you know, this has impacted them and that, you know, poor practices from before have affected their way, their livelihood, yeah. have, affected, have affected the way that they cultivate the land and how they price themselves and you know it's it's really an unfortunate thing that really uh becomes an internalized kind of insecurity we have about ourselves and our ability because of that's how the market has uh, has placed us but fortunately you're obviously changing the narrative you're also, you know, going, against, yeah, you're going against that grain. And, and that's why I, I would love for you to talk about that in terms of why it was important for you to establish Cafe Coffee as a social enterprise and really making the relationship from, you know, farmer to, to bean to consumer, you know, highly visible and keeping that connection along the way. Um, so please tell us about Cafe Coffee and why it was important to establish it in that way. I know it is also very personal to you both. So uh, please do the honors. Yeah, I wanted to just put it in context. You, you have framed it really nicely. People talk about how helpless they are without coffee, and I can relate to that. <laughs> Don't talk to me before I have my coffee. And yes, 2.2 billion cups of coffee are consumed in the world every day. Can you believe that? That's insane. A lot of demand for coffee. And if you think about it, given that, given that huge demand for coffee and a need for coffee, coffee farmers should be rich right now. But they're not. <laughs> and it goes back to the exploitation and the systems, like the capitalist systems that, that really dictate the price of coffee. Uh, globally, coffee is the second most traded commodity in the world next to oil. And the market price of coffee is dictated by people who don't have anything to do with mm-hmm. the farmers at yeah. origin level. So. They're very disconnected. There's that huge disconnect. So in that commodity market, that's when you really see the exploitation. And the only way to change the game and then hopefully shift the system is through focusing on specialty coffee. So that's what we are focusing on. That's what we're paying attention to right now is how can we support farmers in building sustainable livelihoods and also have that sense of fulfillment that what they are producing is is something that makes sense to them, that um, creates something meaningful for for them and their families, mm-hmm. and something that they can share as well to fellow Filipinos uh, all over the world and and other people who can enjoy their coffee. So, Cuphead is a Filipino for coffee. You know, most of your listeners are Filipinos. They can relate to the word right away. But for those of you who are learning Filipino, like Cafe is Filipino for coffee. And it starts from way, way back. Like I always go back to my childhood when I tell the story of Cafe because like, yeah, it's very personal. I grew up with a cacao tree in a backyard and a coffee tree in a backyard. It was Robusta. I'm from Tabuk Kalinga and I was born there. Uh, even as a kid, I was allowed to drink coffee. And I thank my parents for it. <laughs> I recommend it to, <laughs> to parents. It's a silent endorsement to make your children drink coffee. 
But I, I had it as a kid and I enjoyed it. I Of course, I put sugar and tutong or burnt rice. How about milk? No milk. I uh, like it black with the sugar, the sweet coffee. Yeah, I with, started with, with that too. Yeah. Well, except for the tutong. Yeah, I used to try that. I recommend putting <laughs> <laughs> it in your breakfast, coffee, and or merienda. And I, I didn't grow up like really being in coffee right away, but I had this this privilege of being involved in my aunt's work with Cordillera Coffee Growers back in 2003. And I am just so grateful for the experience, knowing the farmer, seeing how coffee is grown, how coffee is harvested and produced and, and processed, and where that coffee came from before it reaches my cup. Like that really changed my life when I met Mama Nina and her 12 children, or some of her I thought it was children. I keep saying, I thought it was 11. 12, just 12 children, and the yeah, other farmers that uh, we work with. And I, I just never looked back. Like from 2003, I knew that coffee was going to be a huge part of my life. And uh, two years later, we established a not for profit called. Coffee Aid or Assistance for Indigenous Development because we wanted to do more for the community and get better connected with the community. So we would organize volunteer trips, helping farmers plant coffee, helping them harvest coffee um, during the season, and just really making those connections happen because people love coffee, people are dependent on coffee, and how better would that be if they knew where it came from and really met the producers who made that experience for them possible. So, uh, yeah, we do that every year, coffee planting, coffee harvesting. And uh, fast forward to 2015, I moved to Vancouver with my husband. Well, he brought me here for... Extra baggage. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Extra baggage. And and and, that, and back then we always had that desire to bring coffee from home, and and so this it's very personal to us. But also, it it just made made sense. Like we needed something to tangibly connect us to the homeland, to our motherland, and something that we can used to share the story of our culture and our heritage. And most of all, it allowed us to continue supporting and working with the farmers um, in the Philippines. So it was a really great opportunity to uh, to do. Because, yeah. you know, beyond coffee being a story it's actually also a livelihood for it's a livelihood for people people farmers depend on it right so instead of just um putting into uh you know a, a nice conversation starter or for rapport you know coffee is you know there is so much more than what you see in a cup right like there is so there's you know when you when you when we look at a cup of coffee it's this you know cup with a black colored liquid in it but there were so many hands involved in creating what's there right so even even for that point of view you can appreciate what food really is, not just coffee, but everything, right? Everything that we have on our plate has been a, a labor of love. And, and so 
for us, it's it's also beyond a labor of love. It's it's also about our country. It's about our identity. It's also about empowering the farmers or putting the power where it really belongs, right? And that's with the farmers so that when we tell the story in every cup, it's not just, you know, where we come from, but it's also who the farmer is. And that's really cool because it's a it's a relationship, right? It's not just some commodity you shove, you know, shove in your mouth and then or put milk with coffee instead of coffee with milk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, like double, double, triple, triple or whatever, right? So and I, I wanted to add, um, you said something. So I attended the virtual uh, tasting yesterday. Uh, and thank you for being there. Yahoo! Yeah, I was so excited to show my cafe espresso chocolate bar. It's honestly my yeah. favorite. I order it a lot. So you can ask yeah. things. Good but... job, Tito Vince. Yes! <laughs> um, you said something that I, I really had to underline in my notes is, you know, it's a relationship, not a transaction. And that's really what it is. You know, when whenever these coffee farmers are cultivating the beans, right, it is not only a labor of love, they put a lot of themselves in it. They put a lot of themselves in terms of the work and the climate and just really toiling to create such high quality product. And so what is so important is to honor that. And you 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 do that so beautifully. So thank you for continuing to honor that. And it also extends to not only empowering them, um, myself as a coffee consumer, I feel empowered by the fact that you, you know, you believe that our coffee can contend with others. We do have, you know, varieties. We do have like such a a rich, you know, flavor profile in the different types Mm -hmm. of beans that we produce. So for you to lead and say, yes, this is, you know, this is who I am. This is what we can do. You know, thank you because it really, for others who may not have known yet, um, knowing the fact that there is a product that we could be proud of and it is grown in our homeland. Mm It is something that could compete with the world. It totally uh, battles the inferiority complex that we've always felt about ourselves and our identity as Filipinos. So thank you so much for putting that at the forefront. That's amazing. So I I have to commend you for that. Thank you for expressing that so beautifully. I, yeah, I'm I'm just filled with so much gratitude to the, the coffee farmers who, yeah, really put their hearts and, and their minds and their hands into this work. That That's also very rewarding. Uh, it's a livelihood that they've inherited, sort of, from their ancestors and they're continuing on and they'll pass on to their children as well. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is such a blessing and it is such a privilege to be able to do this. And, yeah, we're, we're just so tired of... Yeah. Being typecast into yeah, like yeah, second well. class, <laughs> and you know, out in the shadows, and not really being visible, and 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 a lot of people who are listening right now can relate to that, right? And and it extends much more deeply than you know, um, you know why you know like the the whole Filipino upbringing of being inferior or anything like that it transcends down all the way to racism and you know um, typecasting stereotyping uh and all those things and but yeah and and so here's something really interesting iona and i um were educated at up 
and University of the Philippines. And the mantra of UP, (laughs) yeah, I know. The mantra of UP is honor and excellence, right? So just those two words um, are are something that I I guess we like to embody. and, And there's so much meaning behind excellence, right? So for whatever we do, we need to be excellent. It's as simple as that, right? You know, from from what we do at work to how we play sports, what we, we talk about, we put our dignity in the forefront, we become excellent in what we do. And for us, that's what we want to to inculcate with uh, with the people we, we talk with and as well as with the farmers, that we need to be excellent here, that it's not meant so that we can compete and, and go number one. It, it's not really about that. It's just because that is representative of our identity, right? And that is who we are being Filipinos. We are excellent people. We are and have always been the best of who we can be, right? And I think this is what we do with coffee and how we tell our stories would represent that clearly, right? So, yeah. I don't want to add to that honor and excellence is the word service. The oblation is a symbol of service to your uh, nation, to to people. So it's, mm-hmm. it's always remembering that you do something in service of others. Right. How how you help uplift with the work that you do, and to to help people rise above, right. and, and to also help yourself. Yeah, and and not and, and that word by the way and itself. I also believe it's also about selflessness, right? So it's about you putting others or putting others before you, right? And for us, sometimes that's what I what we really feel, right? That, that you know, no matter how sometimes late in the evening we'd we'd be packing coffee and you know all these things because we know that we do that. We we don't really get tired or just by knowing that the farmers are going to be okay in the time of COVID and we're doing this, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're packing this, even if it's late, even if our bodies are tired, we know that it is for others. Right. And just by knowing that, just by putting others before ourselves, then we know that we've, we've done what we could. Right. And, and I think that's the, the epitome, epitome of being Filipino. Like I think the meaning of being Filipino is mm-hmm. not about yourself. It's about putting others first before you right and when you do that you know that i think that's who we are as a people by being excellent by by putting others before yourself and and by service Mm -hmm. by making sure that everyone in you know you know we're you know that's the embodiment of kapwa right so kapwa, right? And so that word has no translation in, in other languages. Or it's so distinct in the Filipino psyche that I think that's what we love to embody in in, in kape, right? So yeah. I, I love that you said that because um, you know, let's just say in the Western world, that type of concept may not may kind of be sort of foreign. <laughs> But that is something so natural about us. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, you you know your your Ate Maribek, you know your yeah. you know uh Chang Maring, like 
even at home, like in your barangay or your neighbor, like yeah. there is that sense of collectivity, that connectedness mm-hmm. with your kapwa, that it's so important that we also express that in the world of how of who we are. And that's how yeah. they get to know Filipino culture as it is, not in the context that they think that stereotypes have been made. And yeah. mind you, those are coming from people who have typecasted yeah. us in the in those positions. But who we are, we are people who are deeply connected to each other. We are yeah. people who um, who care deeply about each other. And just like, yeah. you know, during COVID time, uh, my coworker, and I'm sorry, just to go off a little bit here. Sure, yeah, um, yeah, we had talked about how COVID time, you know, how people were going crazy about toilet paper. And she's like, that is insane to me because like in my town, in my people, like we would like watch out and make sure everybody is taken care of. And mm. I totally resonated when she said that. And she she's uh, she's Serbian. So she said that about her culture. And I was like, I also feel so close to that because back when in the Philippines, you know, if ever you need anything, you know, your neighbor will help mm-hmm. you. Yeah. You know, Whenever yeah. somebody is struggling, you know, everybody's going to show up and help you. And in the same yeah. type of community focused care that we mm. practice in the Philippines, now you are able to extend that here in this land that, yeah. you know, we have settled in and show everybody and share with everybody, this is who we are. Through coffee, mm. we can show you, we can tell you, this is what Filipinos really embody. That's why you people and, love us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me add a little bit into that. It also teaches us a, a sense of humility as well, that you cannot do anything. You cannot do this on your own, right? And that that espouses that sense of interrelatedness and interconnectivity and interconnectedness, right? Because like we are we are cafe, Iona and I, but it's not really us, right? It's not about us. It's about the farmers. And that's why, you know, we make it literal by putting the names of the farmers in front of our packs. But but beyond that, it's that we cannot carry cafe on its own, that we seek the help of friends like Vince in Cape or Andrew in La Union or with with a, a bunch of other folks as well as of course the farmers first and foremost right so we, we, we success is not the embodiment of the individual it's the embodiment of the of the kapwa right and yeah. and that is that is why one success there's no such thing as that. It's everyone's success, right? And and that's what we want to do. And and to also make the farmers feel the same. That of course, because of COVID, it's tough, right? Like you, you feel so isolated. You're you're siloed in, and and we want to make that. We want to make. We want to get people to remember what kappa really means, right? And that's the thing, right? Like in the Philippines, we are a land of disasters and catastrophes. And by the way, we're number two in the world with the most number of disasters. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, it, it's, it's quite true. I yeah. Mean, I, I did my PhD about that. And, and, and by, but, you know, it's really interesting because in other places, when you are situated in a place where there's a lot of disasters and a lot of hazards, you, you move away from that, right? You, you automatically have that mechanism where you escape that. Of course, you want to go into a better place. But for Filipinos, what's quite interesting is that instead of 
that those disasters making us divided, it actually solidified us together closely. And 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 that's why we're so resilient, right? And again, going into the symbolism of Rupusta as well. Although Rubusa is not what we really <laughs> wrote, but you know what I mean? That that sense of being together by being resilient. You know, we can only be resilient when we're together, right? Yeah, Rubusa is coming soon. Rubusa is coming soon. So just to let everyone know, wink, wink. That... Yeah, that's a good illustration. Really, of our resilience, our sense of community, our, our sense of belonging, and we want to impart that through coffee because one of the ways that we make those connections too is through having merienda together. Like in the coffee farms, it would be so common for families to just have a thermos of coffee ready. It's not brewed yet. They're ready to to brew you a pot of coffee. And entertain the hospitality. It doesn't matter. They'll drop everything to have Mm -hmm. you in their oh, absolutely. Home, offer you coffee, offer you merienda, uh, samba, even if it's just boiled banana, boiled samba, boiled kamote. It's so good. So, so good with coffee because it's... Nakagutom naman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that because growing up, eh, know especially my Lola and uh, she she she's very friendly so she always invites people tayo, right like anyone and then and and that is just like it's just a normal like normal day-to-day thing we do we just extend that to each other and like Tara, tayo. like hey let's go have coffee like it's just like such a regular normal part of our life so how we Oh, how we do things back home. And I remember I, I remember this memory as a kid. And I don't know if you you have this too, but you know the the folks who sell Electrolux vacuum cleaners? <laughs> like in the neighborhood. The friendly the friendly Electrolux man. I remember the commercial back in the eighties. Yeah, but my, my memory is that someone was selling us Electrolux vacuum cleaners and my mom and my aunt and I were having their vendors. I think my brother was there as well. And um it was so funny but my mom invited him in our hospitality, our connection, 
conversations happen over coffee, over food, and that's how we build relationships. That's how we, that's how we bond. That's how we get to learn about each other and, and about each other's lives. And and for folks who are listening right now, yes, Ayana and I first met in drum roll please a coffee shop yeah yeah <laughs> 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 romantic kaya <laughs> <laughs> coffee so I'm bringing this up and I'm like yeah but there's really para may kilig factor oh naman sige na oh that's wonderful actually that's a perfect segue back into introducing Philippine coffee to this market now that everybody has learned that, hey, we actually grow coffee. We're here. Mm-hmm. Now, what we are doing is now introducing it to this part of the world, right? So part of introducing Philippine coffee, because normally people would think South America, right? They would think, yeah. you know, in, in uh, other places, but the Philippines. So what comes into play is education. So can you tell us mm-hmm. the process it takes to educate others about, you know, cup of coffee products? So in, you know, in terms of not only sharing the story of the farmers, obviously their names are also on the coffee products directly themselves, um, being intentional with branding and leading with Filipino first identity by integrating, by buying. Can you please tell us and, and share a little bit more about um, how to educate others about cafe coffee? Yeah, I want to start by, by saying I did not think that we'd have this brand to begin with. So our desire to bring coffee from home was like our initial idea was going to be we'll do this wholesale, we'll import green coffee beans, we'll go directly to different roasters here and 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 do that. But during the validation phase of this uh, social enterprise and a huge shout out to our community in Groundswell uh, that has really helped me, has helped us bring this idea into reality during the validation phase it's going to roasters, I'm introducing them with Philippine coffee to Philippine coffee and of course common response is, Oh, I never knew the Philippines were coffee and they they liked it, they were curious about it and the stories of the coffee. But it was taking a longer time uh, to do that and to uh, build a market. And we realized that in order to tell the story of the farmers better and more clearly, we needed a brand that really directly reached out to consumers themselves, to people who are missing home or have that connection with the Philippines and trying to reconnect with their roots and their heritage. Like this was this was the, the gap that we saw in the market. And we mm-hmm, yeah. wanted to provide that that opportunity to to connect with our roots through through coffee and so we said we will build a brand and we'll tell the story of the farmers and we'll just make this as an invitation for people to get to know coffee get to know the farmers the stories behind the coffee and hopefully like they'll also find a connection within themselves uh, to the motherland to the Philippines and so um, we are very intentional in using mm-hmm. just, yeah. just by saying that it's it's simple it's the Philippine word for coffee when you say the name you're introducing Philippine coffee we kind of added an, an an accent you know what I mean because it's you yeah. know <laughs> cape you would cape yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean <laughs> yeah yeah so 
and we're grateful to have been part of the chess market on Granville Island. That was really great experience. It's really having food, having some um, coffee samples that we were brewing that, and we were we got the opportunity to chat with people about Philippine coffee who were so curious about it. Like they would see our sign, Cafe Philippine Coffee, and they'd be drawn to the booth and like, oh, and then they me through coffee. My friend is Filipino. I'm yeah, yeah. And I love it. I want to go back. I can't. So all the stories were those of really joy and association warmth and it's just it's validating yeah hear that and people really being surprised at what they tasted when you brew the coffee for them like oh this is sweet did you put sugar here oh we didn't put anything it was just you know the best profile of the coffee because when people think Philippine coffee they associate with instant coffee just instant coffee or Barako. Well, for Filipinos, for Filipinos, they always ask that. Yeah. Oh, is that Barakos or that's the... So this one, at least they, they kind of have that association. Yeah. I mean, say Philippine coffee is Barako, but there's actually more. And we, we grow all four varieties of coffee. Barako is one. That's the Liberica. So we're focusing on Highland coffee, which is the Arabica. And it was, yeah, it was just validating. It was a thrill. It was a delight for us to be able to share stories of the farmers like Manalina, how we've known her since 2003, and we're bringing her coffee to Canada, and Ademarevic Dubria from Dalva del Sur, who is the president of their co-op, and just a super talented, super hardworking farmer. She's, she's a powerhouse, and everyone in the community got so inspired to also do coffee farming because of her, because she's gone to mm-hmm. places. She's gone to Seattle for the Coffee Expo. That's where we met, and she has represented the Philippines in Boston. Um, another Coffee Expo year in 2019. Yeah. Um, last year there wasn't a Coffee Expo because of COVID, but it was really just encouraging to see the response and how people were connecting with the not just the coffee, but with the Philippines. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we were very intentional too in mm-hmm. having the Baybayin characters on our logo, and mm-hmm. it's our way to decolonize our work. Yeah, and to bring back the essence of our own excellence, right? That we actually had our own what we can proudly call our very own system of writing, right? So Baybayin, and, and of course. You know, these are technical stuff, but and it's cool because it, it creates a, a, a way to connect. It, it creates rapport. And, and of course, that's about storytelling, right? And the end product of storytelling is meaning, right? And self-reflection and about, wow, I actually have that, like, that, that I can be proud of, that that I can call my own. And, and it, it's cool because... You know, we, we connect with people there and, and even for second generation Canadian or Filipino Canadians who were born here, mm-hmm. which, by the way, people who are listening right now, who were born here, we're Filipino. You do not need to be born in the Philippines to be Filipino, right? Yes. <laughs> and it's just really about connecting with the land, connecting with people, connecting to our, our culture and, and who we are. And, and and that again is the richness of creating meaning out of you know kape or the, you know the story and the symbols and the names, 
right? So yeah. I, w- I wanted to share uh, the first time I ever met Iona, um, I think you were also running a different market at the same time, Paulo, when this happened, yeah. was uh, when I met her at Makasama. And when yeah. I first interviewed her um, for this other network I work with, the most compelling thing that I remember to this day that you shared with me is, you know, this is a way to create meaningful conversations. And that's exactly what it is. Um, and and for others who are exploring and discovering more about their Filipino identity, one of the first steps is, you know, have a cup of coffee, have a cup of cafe, yeah. you know, ask questions, learn from other people, uh, look deeply into the history, even, you know, of cafe or coffee um, and coffee farming. There's so much history and culture really amalgamated in, in that story. And so that is really one way somebody could l- keep on learning and learn deeper about their Filipino identity. So just just such an amazing thing that you had shared with me, Iona, that I still remember oh, to this day. So thank you for that. I remember that, I remember that conversation. Mm-hmm. That was yeah, you insane. guys ran it. That was a crazy market. <laughs> Shout out to Andrew. Wow, yeah. that was insane. And you it, guys you know, sold out that day. about that story? Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually in another market. I was yeah. in the side flea and, and Iona ran out so early. So yeah. she moved to my, mar- to, uh, my market. And when my market was to get more coffee, but it was just pouring outside, she just hung out and stayed. And then, so we just said, okay, let's go back to, you know, Makasama. So I still had coffee left. And, and so we went there and like, it was like, it was like, like 10 minutes. It was like this hurricane that passed by our booth. <laughs> we were just out of coffee. It was insane. So that was really, that was really great. That was yeah, cool. We'll bring more coffee next time. We totally underestimated <laughs> the volume of people who going to show up, but that was amazing. It's so cool to see a lot of fellow Filipino Canadian businesses. Yeah. You, Archie, uh, telling stories of of Filipinos in North America, and it's just it's just great. It was a cool. I, I kind of like to say it's kind of like an experiment, right? Like kind of like a <laughs> let's see what happens if we have like an all Filipino event with you know the 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 the, <laughs> the best of who we are and the coolness of who we are as a culture and a people. Uh, being there right the magic that I had associated with is like the buzz the energy and like you Mm -hmm. know all the activity that's happening I'm like this is like a real life palenque in the Philippines I love it yeah yeah (laughs) and it's like a real production too you know what I mean like it's it's impossible not to have music it's impossible not to have have talent you know what I mean Mm -hmm. overflowing because that's who we are we're just people with talent like all out yeah i absolutely agree i love it nobody throws a party like us i'm gonna say it out right now <laughs> yeah totally. oh, I, I i miss that and of course just lots of opportunities to do that right? yeah in the future for sure so you know with that obviously you know we're now making a mark in north america thanks to you leading the way as a disruptor in the coffee community with a filipino product can you tell us what it means to for you to be the first to shake the coffee platform in North America? I mean, you're introducing it even beyond Vancouver. So, you know, I've seen other other places who are now carrying your um, your coffee beans. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and share how uh, what it means to you to be able to do that? Uh, it means the world to us. It's uh, it's 
people can just see me now. I think I'm, I'm blushing. Like I, I never thought that we'd be the first or that people were disrupting this mm-hmm. in this way. The main goal of Cafe was to help build sustainable livelihoods for coffee growers, coffee being a huge part of our lives and being very special to us personally and seeing like the big opportunity, the big potential for coffee farmers to really expand their market is something that has continued to inspire us to continue this work. And it's just exciting that I feel we're just getting started. Yeah. And like it's it's amazing to to see all the other businesses who are who are aligned with the values that we have. Like uh, shout out to our um kids at Intent Coffee and mm-hmm, yeah. like they're huge partners of ours. They're the first Philippinex owned Mavi and Rico. in in Canada and we are very blessed to, to partner with them. Um there are other Filipino Canadians who are also starting their businesses and we're excited to to work together and collaborate and bring Philippine coffee on the map. Like it, it's already there. Like we are uh, winning awards. Uh, the Philippine coffee mm-hmm. quality competition is just been concluded and we're, we're proud that uh, the coffees that we carry in cafe are the ones among the top 10. And we're excited to continue uh, introducing new coffees. We have partnered with new communities and new coffee farmers for this year uh, that we're really thrilled to uh, experiment with and uh, to bring to to folks. So it's it's really it 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 just feels so so wonderful to um, do this work, and we feel that it's it's a huge privilege. It's something that we don't ever want to take for granted. Like we're not not here because because of us. Like it's really the farmers who are doing the heavy lifting here. Mm-hmm. Like they have train themselves, they've really made sure that they process the coffee in the right way, that the quality is there. So if if not for the coffee farmer, like this this brand cafe will not be successful because it starts with starts with the bean. It starts with mm-hmm, the bean. Yeah. And they've really worked so hard to hone in their craft. And it takes a lot of work, like all the training that they've been doing to know the proper processing of coffee, like how to harvest properly, making sure that it's just the right beans that they pick and not too early, not too late. The time that they spend in drying the coffee, uh, making sure that they have the right equipment, the right mm-hmm. uh, drying beds to do that and making sure that the that everything is sorted, right? Like that's uh, that's something that I really commend their community for. They they have sorting stations in each house, and the women would gather. Oh yeah, they're, yeah. They're employed as coffee sorters, and majority women, right? You yeah. barely see a man in there. Yeah, this is a man. Or usually the working in the farm or the driver carrying the sacks. <laughs> um, like the logistics. Part, but the sorting is a very meticulous thing because you yeah. have to take out the imperfect beans and just make sure that the the right beans, the right size, the right color, meticulosity, are, yeah, are are put in the in the stack in the final product. So it's 
it's very it's very inspiring it's very rewarding it feels very fulfilling and and like so many things are ahead like yeah can't wait to partner with more businesses with more restaurants with more cafes with more chefs collaborate and, and see what we can do together um like we 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 mentioned like Kasama chocolate of course they're our friends mm-hmm. and we we see like how collaborations really yeah. in a way that you can create something magical something beautiful and and yeah like we're we're just getting started yeah and and, and it's so great because Kasama is Kasama and, and what a cool yeah. thing to you know both literally and figuratively but that is happening, right? And, yeah. but, and let me add a little bit here too. Um, so traceability in coffee is not new, right? Like you, you when you go to coffee shops, you'll you'll buy a or, or see a pack that shows you the name of the farmer and where it is, right? Maybe about ten years ago, it was just where it is from, right? But now it's starting to be also whom it's from. And that's great. I, I really love how the the, coffee, the I guess specialty coffee industry is going collectively as an industry to be the disruptor in the consumer the system of consumption, right? Like that we know it's it's traceable, um, and we know the names of the people there. And that's what we do in cafe as well, right? Like if you look in, or into the packaging, that the name of the farmer is there. But I think what's a little bit more special for cafe is that we do have that traceability factor. Yes, check. But I think what's special here is that we know these people as friends, right? We will never call them suppliers because that's just a it's such a passe capitalist term, right? Because it's about resources and 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 people that you negotiate with often. But here, these are our friends, right? And we will always call them that way. It's relationship based, right? You know, maybe some, you know, would have the names of the farmers there and that's great, but do you really know them, <laughs> right? Like that's the thing, right? Do you know the, do you really know them? Like, do you actually have a concrete relationship with these people, right? And and for us, that is the very beginning of a business relationship. Right? Like, okay, I know it's, you know, I kind of seem like paradoxical here, but before it's a business relationship, it's a personal relationship, right? Like I know you as a farmer, I know you as a friend, and I think, and I believe we can work together here. And then, you know, the business comes secondary from there, right? So yeah, I think that's what's special about Kape and, and for us to be a disruptor, right? And to build on that relationship as the basis of how we do things, I think it's just, yeah. more meaningful if you start with that and not a transaction because you won't you won't lie to your friend you won't screw them over you won't, <laughs> yeah. you won't try to do things that are sneaky because they're your friends it starts with that relationship that transparency and how you honor each other as as friends doing business together I think that's how I see yeah. it it's a global business of people who trust each other to do the right thing and to yeah work work magic with whatever they're doing so that's that's i think our approach and we are we're also as as people know like we're a social enterprise like we really are farmer first so whatever we do in terms of decisions for 
Porcape is to honor the work of the farmer. So it means that we pay them mm-hmm. for the coffee. So what they dictate or what they say is the price for the coffee. We honor that. And comparing it to the commodity market that I mentioned earlier, um, that dictates the price of coffee uh, is very, very cheap. I think right now it's a dollar and four cents or something for a kilo of coffee, which is very unjust. It's crazy. That's commodity coffee. For us, it shouldn't exist. But for specialty coffee, we aim to pay them like and they earn 400% more than they would if they just sold it to a regular market or a trader or a middleman. So that's how that's how sustainability is built with producers, with farmers, if they're getting the right price for their product, for their produce, and honoring their hard work, honoring the expertise that they have because they're experts in their craft, and not shortchanging them. I think it's just it is it's just basic. I think it's just ethics, but sometimes, you know, when people just think about the bottom line and, and it's just profits, they tend to cut corners. Yeah. See where they can lessen costs so that they earn more. But yeah. but here like we, we believe in in relationship first and mm-hmm. building uh, that meaningful connection yeah. with farmers and that's how we we plan to do things as well moving forward even if we expand our partnerships um with with farms and with communities yeah it's it's humanizing the world economy right like it's humanizing that this is that it's not about money that's revolving it's actually people that are moving around right and so that is i think beautiful right like I, I think that's what makes it so rich and um it and it, it puts power where it belongs right and and it, it it makes people happy at the end of the day and caffeinated too <laughs> yeah you know just to echo to that um with the relationships that you build with the farmers they, they are family they are friends yeah. there's a trust and a love there and to yeah. honor that rightfully they should be empowered you know with and being fairly compensated yeah. or being paid more right for the yeah. product that they have really poured their life into so yeah. it's it's especially significant to honor that relationship um, yeah. through that's that's who your people are you just yeah. don't you don't exploit other people right it's exactly. as simple as that Mm-hmm. I mean, enough people exploit Filipinos, so let's not do that to each other. <laughs> just yeah. as a note for everybody out there, I'm just saying. <laughs> That's coming from me. <laughs> but, um, but thank you so much for sharing such a compelling, inspiring story about, you know, coffee farmers, the coffee, coffee beans in the Philippines, Yay. and sharing the story behind Cafe Coffee. What an honor it is to be able to have this wonderful conversation with you. Thank you so, so much. Um, our, my last question um, before we end the show is, you know, looking forward to the future, um, obviously leading the way, not only in coffee, but leading the way in having these very human conversations <laughs> that people most often will forget or may have forgotten. Um, what do you hope to see 
for Filipinos and our community? My goodness, it's like a Miss Universe question. (laughs) (laughs) Shall I repeat exactly the same words? (laughs) So it's like regurgitating the answer and then you you know you form your answer while your head is in that stressful moment. (laughs) Um, the future is bright, I think. I'm I'm an optimist and both Iona and I are optimists that um, there is always a window of opportunity to create further connections and um, to uh, to make meaningful relationships with uh, both um, the forward part of our business, meaning with relationships with chefs, businesses, uh, cafes, and stores. Not necessarily just Filipino, but pretty much you know of all nationalities and the cultures. And um, that's forward and and the backward uh, part of um, our business, uh, creating relationships with uh, farmers. And by the way, I say forward and backward because that's a very technical term that we use in operations management. I teach operations management that's actually called <laughs> forward <laughs> and backward integration. So sorry about my nerdy side. Oh, it's great. But um, yeah, and and we believe that uh, I think uh, it will. Yeah, like what Ayana said, it's we are still in the beginning of a lot of really good things to come. Um, I, I, yeah, like you know, to be Pinoy is will never be taken away in that identity of Kape, I think, and I think for us, um, it allows us to to look at the world as a very small place, right? Because we can now, you know, be able to connect with people and and, and, and spread things, spread the, the values of being Filipino, of, of excellence and, and integrity and, and, um, and relationships, right? Despite the odds, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I would like to see Philippine specialty coffee really seen and recognized on the global stage. That's, I think, the ultimate goal that we're working towards, because when that happens, when Philippine specialty coffee is highlighted and and elevated, farmers as well are are getting the right amount of of, uh, the right price for their coffee. They have sustainable livelihoods because the market recognizes that the quality that we have achieved um, as Philippine specialty coffee is is really good and and at time we do have that. Um, So I I hope that with what we're doing with Cafe as um, an importer of coffee here as a brand based here in in British Columbia, Canada, and representing Philippine coffee in North America and also an exporter of coffee in the Philippines, I hope that we're able to make those connections for the farmers, like expanding their market, having them see themselves on the global stage as well. Like I would love for that to happen because Adam is such a talented farmer as herself. Like she can really grow a coffee empire, I think, <laughs> in a good way. We'll be her minion, or her minion, right? <laughs> yeah, she's been teaching her daughter, uh, Justine, 
in who won second place, by the way. Who, yes, she won at the Philippine Coffee Quality Competition. So in previous years, it's always Patrick Manadik, and now she's kind of passing the baton to her daughter. I I know that there's just so much there, like the the family that uh, they're they're nurturing into this coffee livelihood. Like there's a bright future ahead of them. And Atomeric is one farmer, and I know that there are other talented farmers that she can also help um, see the, the value of this if they're interested in continuing that tradition of coffee farming or the livelihood for their family. So I would love to see Philippine specialty coffee like really recognized on the global stage. Uh, we're starting to do that. I, I hope that we're creating an impact there that, of course, translates into sustainable livelihoods to uh, indigenous and women farmers back home. And my hope for the Filipino community is, is that of unity. I, I know we're, we're warm, like we're, we're friendly, we're always very approachable, like we have great ideas, but also because of a lot of factors, like our geography as 7,000, Seven thousand yeah. more, and, and that you know, very with very strong-willed and opinionated. Like sometimes there are these, you know, like regionalisms. Yes, and and there's there's that challenge of being united. So I I hope that you know through coffee and food we can we can unite and we can break down barriers and just just be ourselves and just be just agree to disagree and yeah. not put each other down. I hope that as a community we lift each other up and through the things that we do that we help support each other's work, that we we collaborate meaningfully um, for for the greater good. Yeah, and I think that's wonderful because what happens is if you, you know, again, like what I said earlier, it's everyone's success, right? And when Philippine coffee is elevated, the farmers are elevated as well. And that creates a cycle of good, right? Mm -hmm. Because now farmers would uh, know and value what they have, right? That they would value their crops and that they would actually take care of the crops even better because they know that that is a crucial prerequisite or ingredient towards success, right? And so I think that's that's quite wonderful. And mm -hmm. it's not about, you know, setting high to lofty expectations or anything like that, but it's just the farmers knowing that, you know, we're all together in, in that connectedness uh, that we can escalate the Philippine coffee to its to its best, right? Yeah, and another thing that I am I'm, I'm reminded of, and this is in, in line with our conversation about how we perceive ourselves as Filipinos, like my hope is that we'll really take the space that's there for us, that we raise our voices, that we use our voices for good, that we that we really represent our Filipinoness and not be not hold back and not be shy about it and really embrace our culture and dig deeper into our roots and, and have that better understanding of of our heritage because that's the only time that we'll be able to have a sense of pride for who we are and that's 
that's when we'll be able to communicate the message of being Filipino in this broader world. And that's how we'll we'll be able to to share like goodness and uh warmth right. and the kindness and, and be be a kakwa. Yeah, and I think also that will allow us to reclaim also what was lost and taken away from us for about 400 years, right? And I think that's so important because we now need to move on, right? So, yeah. I could Yay. not agree anymore. That was incredibly said. Um, when we stand in our power as Filipinos, uh, being rooted in community, putting each other first, uh, we can see amazing things happen for ourselves and for our people, you know? So um, yeah, just amazing, amazing message that you've shared with us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for such an inspiring episode. Yay. So, so edit but before we close it off please tell our listeners where they can find you and check you out yeah you can follow us on instagram at cafe.coffee our website is the same and we really invite you to go to our website and Check out the stories of the farmers. You'll get to know Adimar Vic, Mate Mariluz, Mananina, Auntie Josie, all our wonderful farmer friends. And uh, and yeah, we are also at Intense Coffee uh, in Edmonton and other cafes in Vancouver and Watch Out Toronto. We are going to be there with the retail partners in too. Yeah, and also if you want to get to know the farmers firsthand, we can actually maybe even schedule a Skype call with them if you're interested. So that's the level. If if you really want to know the farmers, we can surely connect you with them too. So I think that's I I would powerful. love that. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Separately from this, I would love to connect with you on that. Para ano? Para makilala ko rin sila. That would yeah. be so amazing. Interview yeah. with some folks who are doing the coffee documentary. And the, I think the, the story is about intense coffee, but because we're partnering with them, bringing coffee from the Philippines, we were interviewed and we brought in Ademarvik and Ademarvik and that interview too. So yeah, we can schedule something similar. Salamat. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on our show. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you again, Ayona and Paolo from Cafe Coffee for coming on to the show as one of our speakers for our Community Cultivator Series for Filipino Heritage Month here in Canada. And of course, we'd like to continue to thank everybody for continuing to support Filipino Fridays podcast. You can catch us on Instagram at Filipino Fridays podcast. And if you have any feedback, any questions, any um, comments, feel free to send us an email at contact at filipinofridays.com or hit up booking by contacting Mizzy, M-I-Z-Z-Y, M-I-Z-Z-Y at FilipinoFridays.com. Thank you to our partners, Potato Corner BC, for continuing to support our podcast. And of course, we'd like to also thank CITR 101.9 FM for continuing to support this show. Um, if you are on Filipino time, catch us on CITR 101.9 FM every Monday at 11 a.m. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Catch us again on the next episode. This is Archie, your host. Let's get it. Music